In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, we had Trinity Sunday just a few weeks ago. Trinity Sunday, where we had the Athanasian Creed, in fact, with all of its marvelous parts. One part telling about one way of misunderstanding the Trinity, and one part another way of misunderstanding the Trinity, and how all of those things need to be under the Lordship of Scripture and under the Lordship of the proclamation that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here, in speaking the invocation, at the beginning of the divine service, as we do in all of the divine services, beginning with these words, it's not, it's not just a matter of, okay, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, check. It's not the same as the creed or the or the knowing in my mind that I'm in the right place. Nor is it even perhaps worse to say, oh, the services start. <laughs> I need to find my seat. What should be in our minds? What should we be taking hold of? What promises is God providing to us here that are provided for our comfort? Have you ever thought about what it takes, what it takes to enter into the presence of God? What does it take to walk into God's place. There is a, a certain amount of nonchalance that is always tempted for all of us when it comes to doing just about anything here in North America these days. I mean, any fashion display at Walmart now gets to be a picture. We are very easygoing folk when it comes to a lot of things. What does it take to enter into the presence of God? It's perhaps taking note of a few things about God before we get to the promise here in the words in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just to recap, as the hymn we just sang recapped for us, to recap again, we chose rebellion instead of sonship and daughtership. We chose to look at our Father in heaven on our own Father's day and say, I don't think so. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to take the gifts that you've given to me, and I'm going to assert my authority over all of them, and I'm going to do with them whatever I want. And you can take your instruction, and you can take your will, and you can take it as far from me as you want. Know. 
We rebelled against our father. We chose the way. And in doing so, we separated ourselves from death. We clothed ourselves in death. And so, as Genesis recounts, people began to die. As much as God had set it up for people to live with him in fellowship forever, people began. What does it take to be in the presence of a holy God? To be in the presence of a holy God takes holiness. It takes righteousness. And not just a little bit. It takes perfect holiness and perfect righteousness. And the last time I checked myself in the mirror, I didn't measure up. There is no reason to be nonchalant. There is every reason to take that gulf absolutely seriously. And to take that gulf absolutely seriously every time our dreams begin to pass and we start to move ourselves into conscious living day in and day out. I'm going to live as a person in the presence of a holy God. And it's not going to happen just here in church. It's going to happen everywhere God is, which is everywhere I ever go. I need the righteousness that is going to keep me safe in the presence of a holy God. Raiders of the Lost Ark just became available on Disney+. Plus. Now, I know a lot of you have no interest in Disney Plus, and maybe a good share of you don't have any interest in Raiders of the Lost Ark. But it was one of the first movies that I saw that really captured my imagination in a way that few before that really had. And I will never forget it. Can, it's just one of these things that's emblazoned in the back of my brain, like, like, like a, on my red. What happened to those Nazis when they tried to open up the Ark of the Covenant? I mean, it was amazing. It was terrifying. And it was fascinating all at the same time. And if you haven't seen the movie, I would still recommend it. But they exploded. They melted away. Every little layer of their own being was laid bare before the holiness of God, and they just turned to dust after it. We just don't have the expectation that when I come to church, that could be a possibility. You've been freed of that possibility. You have been freed of that expectation. That's not a bad thing. But it is real. It is true. You and I, apart from Christ, deserve death. We deserve the kind of death that only the wrath of God can impose. 
And if still Steven Spielberg can do a few things, one of the things he can do is to pick the rapid guy. We have gotten used to living with God's mercy and grace. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But in order to extract from these words in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we really do need to take seriously what happens if we don't have that. Without that gift, we walk in here naked and bare before the wrath of Almighty living God. But with these words, we are clothed with his own name. And we are his family. We bear his name because of that very gift. This is the power of your baptism. The fact that you can wake up in the morning and that same name is right there with you on every other day as well is the gift that the Lord gave you when he called you by name his own name. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so when the psalmist in Psalm 25 prays, who is able to ascend your holy hill? Only the one with clean hands. We can ask the question, well, how do I get clean hands? And you've basically got two answers out there in the world. You've got the world's answer. Well, three answers. The world's answer is, don't worry about it. You don't have to care about it. The legalist's answer is, work real hard, be perfect on your own, and maybe someday you'll get there. The scriptural answer and our answer is that's a righteousness, that's a holiness that God gives on account of his son Jesus. And he delivers it in that baptism package that he calls you to remember every single day and especially before the hour of entering into his blessing. And so there's a little note in our uh, hymnal to make the sign of the cross, just as the pastor did when you were baptized, on the sign of the forehead and upon the heart, to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. That's the, that's the line given in the baptismal service. The invitation to do that and to remember your baptism and to hear those words again, not as a, a rebaptism, but as a remembrance of the gift that God gave to you on that. Day. You are mine, and I am yours, and I am for you. I am your advocate. I will clothe you in all of the things you need in order to come and be a part of this party that I'm throwing to the whole world. The invocation confirms not just who's running the show or invites God to be present here as though 
as though we were in charge of that. It is God announcing to us that the family is gathered again for its family reunion on Sunday. To come to the table of the Lord and to feast on the gifts that he has prepared. The name of God all through scripture is a powerful thing. It does heavy lifting. It is how God reveals himself to his people. To Adam and Eve, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When he comes to Moses at the burning bush, he recounts some of those episodes and says, but I'm going to give you a new name that I hadn't given to them so that you will be able to talk to me directly. I'm going to set you up as a, a prophet before me in a, in a brand new way. Say to the people of Israel, I am. As said, I am. And over the course of Moses' experience with the Lord, he keeps that name in front of the people of Israel. In fact, in fact, the end of the service even mirrors this as he gives Aaron the command to put my name on the people in blessing for them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine and be gracious to you and give you peace. We begin in the name of the Lord and we will end in the name of the Lord. We come in in the name of the Lord and we will go out with the name of the Lord. So these things are our poles working together. You, you can't hardly talk about the one without recalling the other. And the Lord promised that in the face of all the other gods that were out there, gods of Egypt or gods of the Canaanites or gods of the Babylonians or gods of the Greeks and Romans, gods here and there and everywhere, gods manufactured up in our own mind, he was going to put his name in a place so that everyone would know where to find him. Deuteronomy 12. When you get into the land, I'll choose a place. I'll put my name there. That's where you go to pray. That's where you go to make your sacrifices. That's where you're going to know for sure that you and I are, are dealing with one another essentially face to face. The thing that you're doing there in the tabernacle, the thing that's going on there between you and I, it's going to continue to keep going on because I'm going to put my name in a place. That's how you're going to know that you're dealing with me and I'm dealing with you. And that went on through the time of the shrines and finally the, the temple of Solomon and so forth. And the Lord kept active that, that promise that his name was where we could get to know God. That the forgiveness that he gave to us was absolutely certain and sure. That the prayers we offered were heard and answered in the name of the Lord. Then Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus comes on the scene and he messes everything up. He overturns it all because now the name of God isn't on the building in Jerusalem anymore. 
It's on this baby in Mary's womb. It gets born. It grows up. It gets embedded with the Holy Spirit at the baptism under John. And it's walking around and doing all kinds of things. And it's making things holy. Right? He reaches out to unclean people, lepers, people with blindness and, and, and who can't hear and who can't speak and who have broken parts all over their bodies. And he, he doesn't become unclean because he touches them. They become clean because he touches them. The holiness of God transfers to them because of Jesus. He's the source. Wow. And now he's walking around and doing stuff and talking to people and forgiving them their sins without even sacrificing a goat. He just said it. And it happens. And it's true. And they go home forgiven because Jesus said so. It just gets to say it. And it happens. When you're God, things move quick. You can bypass a lot of stuff when you're God that way. That's amazing. The name of God doing all kinds of marvelous things. So Jesus comes along and finally finishes his work. Becomes the greatest of all time. Sacrifice on the cross. That covers all sin for all time for all people. He tells his disciples, now I want you to take this gift that I have now earned and won completely. This gift of righteousness, holiness, everything you need, the, the whole package of it. And I just want you to give it away. I just want you to give it away. I want you to give it away to people and I want you to give it to them so they know for sure that they got it. Because what I'm going to do with it is I'm going to bind it together with my name. Just like I did for the tabernacle and the temple and all the places where I have set myself up to do my work. I'm going to ask you to put it on these people. Call them by the name of God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptize them in it. So that they become part of the family, that they are adopted into it, that they become the body of Christ. So that they are walking around, kingdom of God people, priests and princes of God Almighty, robed and dressed in all that he has accomplished, the righteousness of Christ. So that they can be absolutely certain and sure, absolutely confident in the gift that God has provided. Never forgetting where they've been, always rejoicing in what God has made them call them. But when we come into the presence of God, the name of God does all this heavy lifting for us. One more time. It reminds us that without it, we are nothing. Without it, we are dead, spiritually blind, and enemies of God. And yet with it, 
We are all that he has called us to be. Priests and kings and princes before God because of Jesus Christ. And to bask in the glory of that. The beautiful thing. To be part of the family of God. And to be welcomed by him. And to be recognized by him. Because there are so many that Jesus says. I've called out Lord, Lord. And he will say, I never knew you. But for those of all of us called by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, baptized into his name and emblazoned with that on both our forehead and our hearts, trusting and holding, he promises, I know you. I am yours. You are mine. Amen. Peace of God that passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen.